Our scripture today comes from the book of Hebrews, the third chapter. I'm going to be reading verses 12 to 14, I think. That at least sounds good. Yes. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if, need, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Growing up, I was, had a, was in a family that uh, we always had dogs around, and um, for the longest part of my youthful years, we had Pepper and Sabaka, and there were there were two dogs that were uh, we had at the same time. Pepper was a black lab uh, mix, probably maybe Rottweiler or something like that. Um, Sabaka was a golden retriever. Sabaka is Russian for dog, and uh, so Sabaka was our golden retriever. Pepper was our black lab, and um, you know, dogs, in my neighborhood, in Chesterfield, um, where we grew up, I mean, we weren't like out in the woods or anything, but back then, you just let the dogs out in the morning and, and expect them back by evening, right? That's what my parents did with us, too, now that I think about it. But the dogs just had the run of the neighborhood. You, you didn't put leashes on them. Or everybody's dog did that. It was just kind of what we did in our neighborhood. But anyway, um, Sabaka was the golden retriever. And so retriever, retrieve. And so, um, you know, besides the times that they brought home the dead animals, which was often, um, do you know how many woodchucks a dog can find in a lifetime? It's amazing. Anyway, uh, we wanted to teach Sabaka to retrieve the newspaper, to bring it to the front step. And so, you know, you, you take the dog out to the newspaper and you put the newspaper in his mouth and encourage him to bring it up without chewing it up, right? To bring it up to the front porch and you go, oh, good dog, way to go. Nice. Oh, you're such a good dog. You know how that goes. And, and um, so we taught her to first thing in the morning, go and get the newspaper and bring it to the front porch. And, and uh, then we'd open the front door and because we put them out the back, but she'd bring the paper to the front door and we grabbed the paper off the front step and, and it really encouraged her to do that. Until the day we opened the front door and there were five papers. And mom's like, Dave, go figure out who didn't get their paper this morning. And if you were in St. Louis back in that day, there was a morning paper and an evening paper and I knew based on political affiliation who got which. So, <laughs> it was a true story, right? For those of you, anyway. Usually, um, being an encourager isn't as dangerous as stealing the neighbor's paper. Usually, being an encourager is a good thing and a proper thing. We want to encourage encouragers because, for the most part, what we tend to encounter in our own lives and maybe who we are in our own lives is discouragers. There's just way too much discouragement. And I think most people are, by nature, discouragers. Well, whether it's nature or nurture, I don't know, but... Most people can be like that. And, you know, I, uh, um, having been a pastor who's moved several times, um, uh, I know that, uh, you know, people usually mean well, but almost every time I've moved, I always say, you know, take heart. I, I am just absolutely sure that the next pastor you get will be even better than me, to which somebody inevitably will say, that's what they promised last time. <laughs> 
you know, in your life, uh, there are those people that will be like that, and there's people that will be encouragers. And, and the authors Keith Miller and Bruce Larson wrote a book called Passionate People in which they talked about basement people and balcony people. Basement people and balcony people. And basement people are the discouragers in life. They're, they're the people from our past or our present but their words go with us everywhere we go. They bring us down. And the, usually, you know this in your own life, usually you remember what the discouragers say, right? You know, I, my dad had a phrase that I've carried with me my whole life, and that was, Dave, you do good work. You just don't do enough of it. And, and for me, what that meant was I'm going to become workaholic, right? Because I, I got to do enough of it. it discouragers... Um, are just their words are always with us. They seem to hang with us and bring us down. And they're the ones that say, you know, you can't do that. That's a stupid thing to do. Son, what were you thinking? I might have heard that before. Basement people divert us from our hopes and our dreams. They constantly point out what's wrong rather than what's right. That's the basement people. And then there's balcony people. And, and balcony people, those are the people that, are, that love to cheer us on, that, that love to, to help us know that we're loved and cared for and, and that they appreciate what we do and who we are. Especially, uh, they, they can be the people who encourage us in our faith, to live our life, in, in, in our faith life in, in wonderful ways. They sit on the balcony of our lives cheering for us. You can do it. We believe in you. Balcony people are great encouragers. Basement people are the type of people that the room lights up when they leave. Balcony people are the people that the room lights up when they arrive. And you certainly know the difference, right? Right now on staff, we have, we have two of the most wonderful balcony people in, in Andy and Brad, uh, two, of, two of our staff members that, that they, they are always encouraging. <laughs> so Brad... Um, uh, asked me if I want to go play golf. I haven't played golf since before, like four years before my dad died, and he died about 10 years ago. So I haven't played golf in a long time. And I just knew if I get back into it, it's going to be disastrous, right? Because you don't play well when you hang out, hang off of it for a long time. So I thought, but with Brad, I'll go play golf with Brad. He's like the ultimate encourager. And so yeah, that, that, you, you get up to, and I, I hit that tee shot, and off it goes way over. And he goes, I think you're a little right. And I'm thinking, I heard three oak trees and a squirrel. I think I was a little right. He goes, oh, you probably ought to want to hit another shot. <laughs> Just, he couldn't find anything bad with my bad shots. It, it, it was wonderful to play with him. It, you, you love people like that in your life, don't you? The encouragers of your life. You know, the word encouragement, a simple definition in English would be, um, uh, is to put courage into, right? Encourage. It's, it's to add courage to somebody's life, add, add the sense that you can do it, you can, you can be successful. Encouragement can be, thank you, you've done a great job, but when you say that, you've encouraged somebody to do the next job, haven't you? Encouragement is forward thinking, it's forward looking. It thinks about, how can I help you to do the next right thing? In, in the Greek, uh, the word for encouragement is parakaleo, and it's a verb. 
that's about comfort and consolation and encouragement or exhortation. There's another word in there, parakletos, which is a, when it's used as a proper noun, it's where Jesus tells us that when he leaves, he's going to send the parakletos, or paraclete, we sometimes call that. He's going to send the encourager, the Holy Spirit. He's going to send the Spirit of God into our lives for everybody to have. In this, so this is the cool part of it. God doesn't rely on you being a natural encourager. God knows most of us aren't. God provides his own spirit to be with us, and it is God's Spirit that encourages us to be an encourager. The parakletos, parakleo, encourages us. It helps us to be balcony people, encouragers. And it's not surprising that the command to encourage is found in the New Testament then. Our scripture today had that one verse, verse 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Can you think of a day that isn't called today? I mean, unless it was yesterday or tomorrow, it's called today. So encourage each other all the time, it's telling us, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. In another place in Hebrews, verse 10, chapter 10, verse 25, it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more when you see the day approaching. The day they're talking about is the day of the return of Christ. This is a Christian audience, the people in the community called the Hebrews. This is a Christian audience that is suffering a lot of discouraging things in their life, especially persecution for their faith. And that persecution may be coming from uh, the Roman occupants of the territory they live in, and it may be coming from their Jewish friends who have not accepted Christ as their Savior, the Hebrews who aren't Christian Hebrews. It may be coming from them. There are other places in the Bible that, that we find encouragement, though. Um, the Apostle Paul, who wrote many of the letters that we call books of the Bible um, the, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul was a great encourager. He would go from community to community st starting churches. Now, when he would start a church, a church would be 10 people meeting in somebody's house. But what it says is that, that he would return to those churches over time to encourage them. In the Bible, in Acts 14, uh, 21 to 22, it says, Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true in the faith. He encouraged them in their faith. And often when, when Paul would then turn around and leave again, he would encourage them as he's leaving. In, in uh, um, the book of Philippians, uh, we're told that, uh, uh, actually in the book of Acts, we're told about his visit to Philippi, and he was jailed in Philippi, and while he's there, uh, as he's getting ready to leave, uh, it says, after Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them, and then they left. He was an encourager, especially an encourager about living your faith, being constant in your faith. Over and over again, the, Paul, the Bible recalls uh, Paul's giving of encouragement. 
And Paul's greatest method of encouragement was the writing of letters, right? The, the, those letters that we have in the New Testament are, that Paul wrote are letters of encouragement in faith. And do you have those in your life, those people in your life who still write you notes of encouragement? I mean, handwritten, right? I love to get emails and texts. That's great. But man, to get, to get something in the mail, a note sent to you that somebody took the time to handwrite, isn't that wonderful when somebody, when somebody, do you have those people in your life that are just those encouragers? Surely I'm not the only one. Come on. I, I hope you do. I, I sincerely hope you do because it, it's just important to have those encouragers in your life. I think, I think maybe the, the greatest encourager for all of us who have lived the Christian faith, the greatest encourager was a guy named Joseph. And I'm not talking about the father of Jesus. I'm not talking about the Joseph with the amazing Technicolor dream coat or whatever it was called. I'm talking about a different Joseph, one that, that we don't usually call Joseph because he went by a different name. He was, Joseph was a Jewish convert to Christianity, and he lived on the island of Cyprus. And uh, you know him better if you know him at all. You know him better from the book of Acts. He was called Barnabas. Barnabas. Barnabas was a nickname that the apostles gave him, and the name means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. So how was he an encourager? Let me tell you about a couple of people that he encouraged. The first was a, was a man who um, was um, a vehement uh, a Jew to the point that he was persecuting Jewish converts to Christianity because he would say they were committing heresy. They were saying wrong things, false things about God. And these were things that were bad enough to get you killed. And so his name was Saul, and he was persecuting the Jewish Christians. But Saul came to faith in Jesus Christ and changed his name to Paul, the guy that wrote a bunch of those letters. And so now that he's changed his name to Paul, he's no longer welcome among his Jewish friends, maybe even hunted by them, nor is he welcomed by Christians because he used to hunt them. Not a good place to be. But it was Barnabas who stepped in to welcome him. The Bible says in Acts chapter 9, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. They thought he was trying to trap them. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. It was Barnabas that introduced him to the apostles, the leaders of the church in that day. Barnabas was also an encourager of a, a youthful man who didn't do things the way he maybe should. Do you know any young people that don't do things the way they should? I think we all, if you don't know them, you're the one, right? So when Paul and Barnabas sat, set out on their first missionary journey, they take a young man named John Mark with them. And things go well for about half the journey, and then halfway through, and we don't know why, the Bible doesn't tell us why, we don't know what happened exactly, but somewhere in the midst of it, John Mark abandoned them before the journey was, all, was over. Maybe he was uh, afraid of the persecution they were suffering. Who knows? I don't know. But it didn't work for John Mark. He abandoned them in the middle of it. 
And when the time came later for their second missionary journey, Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with him again. And Paul said, oh no, he's not coming along, I don't trust him. He abandoned us once, I'm, I'm afraid, you know, what's to keep him from abandoning, abandoning us again? And such is the argument that, that Paul and Barnabas decide, you know, it'd be better if we went separate ways. And Paul and Silas go to Asia, and Barnabas and John Mark begin a missionary journey that goes through Cyprus. But thankfully, John Mark ended up doing just fine because Paul later changes his mind about him and writes this to Timothy. Get Mark, John Mark, same person, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Imagine if Barnabas had not been the encourager he was. We wouldn't have all those letters in the New Testament, all those letters we call books of the Bible, but all those letters in the New Testament that Paul wrote. Imagine if Barnabas had not been an encourager of John Mark. We wouldn't have the Gospel of Mark, that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Barnabas didn't write any books of the Bible, but think about the influence that he had to encourage those who we include in our Scripture. So how do we become encouragers? Well, obviously the first answer is prayer. And I'm not going to go into depth about that right now, but prayer is obviously the first, it's always the first answer in church. If, if Jesus isn't the answer, it's prayer. Um, but I'm going to talk about prayer in, in uh, the Sundays that follow uh, Labor Day. We're going to do a series of, on prayer uh, on the New Testament. Many of you have encouraged me uh, to get back into writing. Um, Greg used to write all of the, the devotions that we inserted in your bulletin every Sunday. Uh, Pastor Greg is retired. I have not started to write those. I've had some encouragement and um, so we'll have those devotions at least for that sermon series. But we'll, we'll do a sermon series on prayer coming up. So prayer's number one. But, but next is, that, um, is just to live your life in an openly faithful way. To live your life in an openly faithful way. You know, the, the Roman Catholic Church gives us this great gift we call the saints. And we have saints because they live their life in an openly faithful way, worthy of our imitation. Now, we don't, we don't adopt the idea, as, as Protestants, we don't adopt the idea that you can pray to the saints. We simply see them as people who lived a life worthy of imitation. But you know what? I see those in churches every day. There are people whose lives are worthy of imitation. You know, on, uh, if you come in here Monday through, Friday, Monday through Thursday, um, you're likely going to be greeted by somebody that's sitting at the desk in the lobby who's a volunteer who just comes to, to help the church during the day. And that is faithful service. They are saints. And you know, on Sunday morning, besides staff, we have about 50 different volunteers in ministry. They are faithful saints. We have people who come every week who, who uh, make sure that in, in the seats in front of you, the seat pocket in front of you, that you've got pens and you've got offering envelopes. <laughs> 
and other things that we put in there. We have, we have people, the, the same people who make sure that the seats are straight and the, the, that you have a, a bulletin um, uh, printed and, and folded. And if there's ever something that we insert in the bulletin, we have people that, that do that. There are people that, that do wonderful things by living their faith life in the way that they serve. And I'm encouraged by that. We're going to be starting a, a, several new groups in, in the fall, and, and they were mentioned in the um, announcements. One of them is a, a group for people who are estranged from family. Now, that might mean that you are estranged from your family, or you have family members that are estranged from you, whichever way it works out. And the goal of this group is not to get you back together. Though that might happen, that may be a, a way that that happens, but that's not the goal. The goal is to help you be faithful in your life in the midst of that estrangement. And we have some wonderful, faithful people who have experienced that in their own life that are going to lead that. Those are great saints. We have people that have shown up for our backpack attack that we had last month, and there are people, the people that are going to uh, Merrimack School in, in, uh, beginning in September um, to, to uh, uh, read to students. We should never underestimate the powerful encouragement of the lives of people who live their life faithfully. And another part of, of, of encouragement is just showing up as well. I mean, we show up on Sunday morning, and it encourages me. I hope it encourages each one of you as you show up and see others that you can talk to, that you, that you become fel uh, have begun a fellowship with, that, that you encourage one another in your faith. I hope that nobody ever leaves church a stranger. You shouldn't be a stranger in God's house. And if, if nobody's greeted you, maybe you need to be the greeter to step out and, and, and say, you know, you and I have sat in the same row for 16 years. Let me introduce myself. <laughs> but also showing up in other ways. Uh, I, I, I think it's, it's so important to, to we have a, a group of, it's between 20 and 25 people who show up at nursing homes and hospitals and people's homes where they're shut in. Our visitation team. And we actually have a, one member of the church who, who packs little bags of, of goodies to take to the people, to, for, the, for the visitors to visit with, to say, hey, I, I brought you this from the church. Showing up is, is an encouragement itself. That Holy Spirit, the, our, our paraclete, our encourager, comes alongside us to be a part of our life, to encourage us in our faith. And imagine what it feels like when we encourage others in their faith. I had, a, it's kind of an interesting encouragement. Ada Downey, Ada was uh, in her 90s um, when we started a contemporary worship service at a, at a previous church. And um, Ada was, was a wonderful person. She, she, uh, she, she's about this tall, and, um, and she was a school teacher her whole life. Um, uh, I know she had children, but they didn't live in Macon where I lived at the time. And, uh, but, but Ada came to that contemporary worship service. And um, Ada was 
just stone deaf, right? Um, but she came to the contemporary worship service. And, and uh, one, one time, right after the service, I went up to her and just to ask, I was curious, Ada, you know, you're in your 90s. You're, you're the, by far the more mature member of this worship uh, population. I, I, I just, and she turned her hearing aid back on. And she said, you know, I hate this music, but I love the energy. <laughs> Ah, God bless Ada. <laughs> I hate the music, but I love the energy. We need people to encourage us about the energy anyway. Mark Twain says this about encouragement. He says, I can live for two months on a good compliment. <laughs> and then another uh, writer named uh, William Arthur Ward writes, flatter me and I may not believe you. Criticize me and I may not like you. Ignore me and I may not forgive you. Encourage me, and I will not forget you. Isn't that amazing? Our words have that kind of power. The, the encouragement that we offer has that kind of power. In Ephesians uh, 4.29, it says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others. I'm sorry, for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Building up others. Or in the words of your mother, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know, uh, recently I've been getting back into running, so I'm thinking about the Boston Marathon. Not that I'm going to run the Boston Marathon. I'm just thinking about it. It just came to mind. And actually, in the last service, we had two people who have run the Boston Marathon. Uh, anybody in this service? No? Good. Then you won't know whether I'm telling the truth on this. Uh, so in the Boston Marathon, actually they both confirmed this uh, afterwards. In the Boston Marathon, you know, that's the marathon that the bombing happened in, the, the terrible thing that happened quite a few years ago. And um, in, that, in that marathon, a marathon is 26.2 miles, okay? And um, when, when you run that marathon, at, at somewhere between miles 20 and 21 is what they call Heartbreak Hill. Now, both those people that ran it uh, confirmed for me that, that that's a good name for it. Um, it's about four-tenths of the mile long, and it, there's a rise of 88 feet. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a whole lot when you're running it. So, four-tenths of a mile long, 88-foot rise. Now, all along, all 26 miles of that marathon, there are people who are encouraging you along the way. But at Heartbreak Hill... Thousands of people gather to encourage the runners. Because what runners will tell you is it's at that point in the race, no matter whether it's flat or not, it's around that point in the race where you do what they call hit the wall. In other words, you've depleted pretty much all your storage of, of glycogen in your cells. You've burned it all up, and you're just running on fumes at miles 20, 21, and you got to go up a brutal hill. And people gather for the purpose of encouragement. Good balcony people gather for the purpose of encouragement. Imagine how much easier it is to get up that hill when you get that kind of encouragement. And it's truth for our faith life. The spiritual life is a marathon. And we need that encouragement from one another. We need that encouragement throughout our lives.
So I want to encourage you this week to be an encourager. I want you to think forward because encouragement is forward thinking. I want you to think forward to this week who you can encourage, who you can offer a word of encouragement to. And I want you to offer that word of encouragement to one person every day this week, at least one. Now, it may come natural to you, but it may not. I want you to offer that word of encouragement to at least one person every week, every day this week. Now, I'm going to tell you, you don't get to count telling me good sermon preacher when you leave. I'll take it, but you don't get to count it. You got to do that for someone else. You got to encourage someone else today. Let's be balcony people. Amen and amen.